Um, starting in Numbers 13, 25, um, they returned from, these are the spies, they returned from investigating the land after 40 days. They gave their report to them and the entire assembly. They showed the land's fruit. They gave their account to him and said, we went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it's flowing with milk and honey. This is some of its fruit. And that was the good part, right? Then came the rest of the report. Except the people living in the land are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the sons of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites are living in the mountains, and the Canaanites are living near the sea along the bank of the Jordan. In other words, we're scared to death, and we don't advise this. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, we should definitely go up and capture the land, for we can certainly do it. The problem is that oftentimes negativity is more attractive and more easily um, received than positivity, which is why the news is all negative, because that's what sells. And that's what's sold here. So it didn't matter what Caleb said. In verse 31, the men who had gone up with him said, we cannot attack these people because they are strong, uh, stronger than we. They spread among B'nai Yisrael a bad report the land they had explored, saying, the land through which we pass to explore devours its residents. All the people we saw there are men of great size. We also saw there uh, the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our eyes, as well as theirs. Now, the key for me to this is what comes in Numbers 14, 1 through 4, right after it. All that night, the entire community raised up their voices. See, that's how a bad report spreads. <laughs> the entire community. Uh, you could have said something good and nobody would have known it. But say something critical and all of a sudden it goes through the ranks. You know, everybody in the community raised up their voice. The people wept. All of B'nai Yisrael grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole community said, if we only had died in Egypt, if only we had died in the wilderness, why is Adonai bringing us to this land to fall by the sword? So today I'd like to talk about two things. One is how hard it is to depend on God and that we need to depend on God, and secondly, the power of grumbling which should not have power, but it seems to. So what would it look like if, these, if the Israelites were dependent on God? They wouldn't have grumbled. They wouldn't have worried. They wouldn't have gotten angry. And they would have tremendous assurance and not fear because they were depending on God. So how, what does it mean to depend on God? Well, trust and faith are the pillars of that dependence on God. Now, sometimes we have no choice 
but to depend on God. And so for our life, for our breathing, right? I mean, there, there are no other options here, right? Sometimes we have a choice and we pray and put it in God's hands. Like, for instance, if we're sick, we're going to pray that the Lord heals us. But other times we have a choice and we don't go to God. And those times are usually our daily decisions. Like moment to moment, week to week, uh, I mean uh, hour to hour, our daily decisions. And dealing with emotions and feelings like anger and grumbling, we don't go to the Lord about. In fact, God wanted the Israelites, his people, to depend on him for everything. And to not depend on him for everything is sin. And this sin of not depending, not trusting on, in God, had severe punishment. We find in this particular parasha that there was a man who was collecting wood on the Shabbat. And what happened? They stoned him. That's severe punishment. Right? Dependence is on... Dependence on God develops obedience. Let me say that again. When we depend on God, we become obedient. And it's very easy to understand that because if you depend on somebody financially, whether it's a parent or an employee or whomever, you'll listen to them. And if you depend on God for all things you will want to follow his instruction. So let's talk a little bit about grumbling. Now, it's interesting because grumbling or complaining, I think we do so naturally. Uh, I complain about our government. I was saying yesterday as I gave this message, I, I complained when I looked up I was going to complain about bureaucracy, but then I realized that the spelling is so ridiculous in bureaucracy. Uh, somebody told me it's from the French. But you know what? That still doesn't help me. It's B-U-R-E-A-U. That does not sound like bureauc. You know, it's, the crazy part sounds fine. any rate, bureaucracy, look it up. It's just not how I would have spe spelled it. And they kept, it kept having that red line under my words, you know? It was bothering me, and I, and I kept clicking on it, and it gave me wrong choices because I was so far off. But I'm not going to complain or grumble about this. Not at all. It's fine. But, you know, we just complain so naturally. I mean, there's a perfect example of it. And um, so... Here's a challenge for the week. What I'd like you to do, or maybe just for a day, I don't think you could stand it for a week. Count the number of times you complain. <laughs> Count the number of times you complain. Just kind of click it off and see at the end of the day how many times. Now, the really awful thing about that is not just that you've complained, but God sees that as sin. That's what's awful about it. And it's funny because in my mind, and maybe yours as well, complaining and grumbling 
have a different connotation. I think grumbling is awful. But complaining, that's kind of natural. And funny enough, and so complaining isn't as offensive as grumbling. I looked it up in the dictionary, and they agreed. <laughs> they said complain is express dissatisfaction or annoyance about something, right? But grumble is to complain about something in a bad-tempered way. So I guess when I complain, it's not bad-tempered, so it's fine. No, that's correct. No, thank you. And this is why we have to overcome culture. Because we feel this way without even knowing it. We, we've been, well, okay, that's another message. James 5 through 9. Do not grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be judged. Be that's right. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. So we, we realize that there is judgment for people who are grumbling. Philippians 2, 14, 16, do everything without grumbling or arguing. So we're putting now grumbling and arguing together. So that you might be blameless and innocent children of God in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. And the way I see this is that if you grumble and argue, you are part of the crooked and twisted generation. <laughs> Who wants to be twisted? I mean, nobody. You stop that grumbling, I'm telling you. Um, among them, uh, in other words, the, the ones who are grumbling, among them you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life so that I may boast in the day of Messiah that I did not run or labor in vain. I think what he's saying here is, look, I've, I've made a deposit in you in terms of your not only your salvation, but your walking with the Lord. And please do not make me embarrassed that you came under me because if this is how you're going to act... Um, this is wrong. So, you know, first, I, I want you to realize that God does not want you to grumble and complain. It's a sin. And, I, you know, I always go back to this one scripture when I think of sin. When I think of the word sin, I just immediately turn in my mind to James 4.17. I, I, one of the scriptures I dislike as much as any is this scripture. And I dislike it because the bar is so high. <laughs> it says, therefore, whoever knows the right thing to do and does not do it for him, it's sin. Well, that's a pretty high bar. So every time in my heart I know something's not right, it's sin. Because we generally think of sin sin is killing somebody or stealing or something sexual or stuff like that. But we have to realize God has a way higher bar for us. Okay, so there are problems with grumbling. Number one is it makes you unhappy. In other words, it makes you more unhappy than you would have been 
just with the situation that you're grumbling about. Because you're, you're kind of, you're allowing yourselves to be there, to stay there. You, it's not a good place to be. Secondly, it affects others similarly. And so you are causing others to sin as they become grumblers. And thirdly, it causes division, and God hates division. And fourthly, it stops you from God, uh, following God's commandments of joy and rejoice and all the other things that he wants you to do because he wants you to overcome your feelings. Your feelings oftentimes lead you astray. They lead you the wrong direction, away from God. And this is a perfect example of it. So when you complain and you grumble, you are actually not letting off steam, but you're doing all these things. Well, you probably are, but but you're doing all these things that are against the Lord. So let me, how many of you would agree that we should not grumble and complain? How many of you have ever prayed about that? A lot fewer, a lot fewer. Okay, let me ask a third question. How many of you have prayed about it for yourself, not for somebody else? <laughs> okay, I, I was just kidding you. Just, okay. So what does it mean to be dependent on God when it comes to grumbling? It, it's really asking God to transform your mind so you're not focused on the things that you're upset about. Because we all get upset. And, and look, that's a natural reaction. It's how we deal with what we're dealing with that is really the question. And uh, we've got to try and ask God to help us stop grumbling and complaining before it gets started. Now, sometimes, okay, sometimes we grumble to God instead of pray. Ooh. So, I'll give you an example that has to do with me. That's a lot easier. Nobody will be mad. I could do it about you, but nah, it's not, not good form. Yeah, that, that would be grumbling. No. <laughs> uh, good point there. Okay. Now, I just want to tell you in this example, I just want you to know I don't grumble but I do sometimes go to God with a healthy complaint. (laughs) So for years and years, I asked the Lord why I have not been effective in sharing uh, sharing my faith with people that I meet randomly. And I believe that God said to me that my dependence on him is not developed in this area. And so it's, you know, our dependence can be in certain areas, but not other areas. And God showed me two things about myself that stopped me from sharing my faith randomly with with people. Number one is I'm task-oriented, which means I'm usually involved in a task, and I don't want to be interrupted. And so I'm going this way, and if somebody kind of goes in this way, I just kind of go, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just moving along here. My second issue is time. 
I don't have time. Don't you know I'm getting somewhere? I'm, I'm, I, I'm in a rush. And so the God appointments that I believe have been in my life, many of them I've, I've just pushed aside because of t- being a task person and being a very time-oriented person. You notice, as an example of time, I don't wait for you to come before we start services. <laughs> we start services at 11 o'clock, for those of you who don't realize that. I just, <laughs> just letting you know. Just, you know, so God had to show me and so, so I'm going to God and I'm saying, so what do you want to do about this, Lord? How do I change this? I mean, am I going to be a person who doesn't care about time and just be laid everywhere? I don't think so, you know. And, and so he gave me really a simple solution. And um, the funny thing is I, I haven't really... Well, I've tried it. I tried it out yesterday, and it and it didn't work because nobody walked by me. Uh, I decided that instead of praying and walking for an hour, I would be available for an hour and fifteen minutes. That way, if somebody stopped me, I wouldn't feel like I've cheated the Lord on an hour of prayer. So that was a very simple solution. Uh, the problem, and, and then what it, what it means to depend on God is now I'm depending on God to bring people my way so I can share with them. And so these are things that God was teaching me this week, and uh, I, ex- I will report back next week and let you know how it works. But again, here's the key. If we're depending on God, God might not want to give us that the next day. He, you know, God likes us to work for things. And, and um, you know, so sometimes he gives us something immediately and other times not. So I just want to mention that you need to look at yourself and see what causes grumbling. You need to investigate about yourself. And, and have a real understanding, if God doesn't want this, and he wants you to depend on him, what do you need to do to stop grumbling and complaining? What do you need to do to stop speaking poorly about a person? What, what needs to happen? Because you're still going to feel the same ways internally, but what are you going to do to stop sharing those things with others that are just not encouraging? So um, the other possibility is you could come up with what we normally do, which is a lame excuse, and say, um, you know, I, I, I think the, the, we don't really say we're not going to do something, but we rationalize why we couldn't do it. Well, if that person wouldn't have acted that way, 
I, I would have been perfectly fine. Well, you know, we will rationalize all the time in order that we ourselves can still be good people. You know, I was sharing with my brother this week. I was in Denver, and, uh, and he gave me one of those typical responses. We should, we should just, you should just pray that everybody in the world is as good as I am. Meaning, he didn't say that in a, in a bragging way. He said it in a sincere way because everything he does, he tries to be good. So, you know, if I were to talk to him about sin, he, that concept just wouldn't even enter his head. Um, but a lot of people feel this way. In fact, I think believers feel this way. And, and so maybe not in that broadest term, but, but, but we do, and, and we rationalize things. So if God has something in your life or your, or your behavior that you need to investigate, it might not be the grumbling and complaining, but I haven't met too many people who don't grumble and complain. Um, look, at, look at yourself. You might be scared. It might concern you because it might feel like failure and so on, but God wants us to overcome our emotions. Our emotions and our feelings are what really distract us from depending on God. So in this parasha, if you remember back to that, we, uh, we see that God forgave the Israelites, but he still judged them. And I think in many ways he's going to do the same thing with us. He will want us to learn from our sin and think of ways not to repeat. Or you might be doing what the Israelites did, is walking around in the desert for 40 years. Because that was the judgment of this sin. And are you willing to seek dependence on God that develops obedience? That's the question. Are you willing to, to trust God and depend on God so much that it brings out obedience within you? So if you think you're dependent on God now, I would ask you how often during the day do you call on God to hear his voice before you give your opinion? That certainly would put a little more time between what you want, what you were thinking and what you're going to say, which wouldn't hurt uh, any of us either. How often during the day do you call on God in order to stop yourself from grumbling and complaining? What would you do differently if you depended on God all the time? What would you do differently? Think about it. What could you do differently 
to depend on God all the time? It's really a very difficult question. Or actually, the answer is very difficult. The question was easy. Uh, the, the, the answer, though, is very difficult. Because so often we just speak, well, I won't call it Christianese, I'll call it Messianicese. But it's the same thing. It's the language that allows you to skate around any discussion, you know? You use the right words, everybody says amen, and we're, we're fine. But that, I don't think that's fine for God. And I think if we say that we are depending on God, then I think it has to look like something. It has to really be in the forefront of our mind. And so I'm here to ask you, what would you do differently in your life if you decided that you're going to, as much as possible, fully depend on God? It's sort of like the question of, is God number one in your life? And if you say yes then it would seem to me you would have to depend on God. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 9 and 11. And let's not the test, I'm sorry, and let's not the test, the Lord, okay, we'll get this, and let's not test the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. And let's not grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroying angel. Now, these things happened to them as an example, and it was written down as a warning to us. So this parasha is written down as a warning to you and me. Worry often call, uh, causes grumbling. Fear causes worry. Being dependent on God should take care of worry, grumbling, and fear. So there are two questions that came to my mind. Is Well, the first one is, how do you become more dependent on God? How do you do it? Number one, I believe you count your blessings. You really have to, I mean, that's kind of a cliche, but it's truth. You need to be appreciative. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you and Messiah Yeshua, that we give thanks. So if we are giving thanks for all things, that allows us to be more dependent on God. Secondly, I think we, you have to transform your thinking. You have to realize, uh, well, in Psalm 42.6, the writer was going through the same thing. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why are you murmuring within me? Hope in God, for I will yet praise him for the salvation of his presence. And so we have to understand just being in the salvation of his presence and praising him and hoping him will change our mood from being downcast to being feel coming into his presence just sensing his love in us and and so we have to do these kinds of things compare your thoughts to god's in scripture and we need to praise scripture and 
also memorize it and proclaim it. I have a quote to you from that I just liked because it, it, it really isn't on dependency on God, but it, it, it sort of connects. It's from the uh, devotional, My Upmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. And he writes, if you are not living in touch with God, it is easy to blame him or pass judgment on him. You must go through the trial the very thing that causes you to complain before you have any right to pronounce a verdict because by going through the trial, you learn to know God better. God is working in us to reach his highest goals until his purpose and our purpose become one. Something to really think about and, and, and really... Our focus not only should be um, on becoming dependent on the Lord to accomplish these things, but the other flip side is we've got to start overcoming our emotions and behaving emotionally. It's kind of what we say about our kids, you know, when they have a tantrum because... There was no chocolate ice cream left. And they want you to go now to the store this moment and get it. And you say, don't be so emotional about this. It's not such a big deal. Well, it's a big deal to the kid, right? But we do the same thing. We, we, we take things and we make them so feeling-oriented that, that we, we push ourselves away from God. Now, the second question is, what can you do when you are unhappy with someone or something and not com uh, in order to not complain or grumble? And that's, a, uh, I think, a pretty hard question. Um, so, because people are going to do things to you all the time that are going to upset you. So, number one, ask God if it's possible that you are seeing the situation incorrectly. Now, I know that probably isn't a good one for you because you're always right. So that's really not an issue. But in the event that you're not always right, well, maybe first of all, before you react, check and see if this is correct or not correct. Uh, secondly, let time go by. If you react immediately, bless you, bless you. When you react immediately, it's probably going to be very bad. <laughs> it will be equally bad as to what came at you. And if you're like most people, you want to actually one-up them, so it will be worse. <laughs> Number three, consider how to encourage the person, and maybe they will be more open to discussion. But... Um, this, I also have a, another fa uh, favorite quote. In fact, it's so favorite, it's hanging on my wall because I need to remember it so often. And this is by Rabbi Jason Sobel, uh, a young Messianic rabbi. I guess he's not that young any longer. Well, he's still always young because he's so much younger than I am. But any rate, he said, if all you ever do is attack someone's behavior, 
then you're never going to be able to set them free to become who they really are. Accountability is not calling somebody out of their behavior. It is calling them up to their identity. That's something you could think about for a while and, and see how it affects you. Look, if you act nice to somebody, recently somebody texted me and, and said, how, how would you answer this? Uh, and they gave me a copy of something they didn't like. And I said, well, answer it in a nice and encouraging way. And I gave them an example of what they could say. And so they did it. They took my example. And then about five minutes later, I texted them again. And I said, now, don't you feel better? And they said, actually, I do. Because they did the right thing. It doesn't feel better at the moment because you want to get back at the person for what they wrote. But if you wait a few minutes and you do something nice for somebody and encourage them and let, let go of, of their sin from your head, you feel relieved. You feel better. And this is what God does for us. I mean, he, look, he pours out his grace and mercy on us every day. So the fourth thing, and this is, I think, a really important thing when you're talking about how to stop yourself from complaining and grumbling, is that you want to count the cost. Now, everything we do, everything we say, has a cost involved. And so the cost, if you uh, give them what they deserve, is that you could hurt them. Now, you could say, well, they hurt me, so I hurt them. Doesn't sound very biblical. Secondly, you could be causing division. And you were definitely not depending on God. You could, the cost is, to you, is actually a godly cost. And that is coming from Philippians 2.3, which is to consider others more important than yourself. That's the cost of doing it right. There are all sorts of costs in doing it wrong. The cost of doing something right will make you feel better. The cost of doing something wrong will have a long life that you will want to not see extended because it will continue and continue. When we depend on the Lord, we find ways to fix situations in, in an encouraging way. We don't lean on our own understanding or on our emotions. We acknowledge God in everything. There's another example. You all know it. Uh, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That's where, you know, we 
think that's the important part. But then it says, in all your ways acknowledge him. So how are you acknowledging him if you're complaining and you're grumbling? In fact, you are saying that you're not thankful to God by complaining and grumbling. So you have just come against that scripture which says in all your ways acknowledge him. Some people were thinking, oh, well, I say God all the time. That's not an acknowledgement of him. Acknowledging him in your behavior, in your responses. You don't have to say uh, to somebody, oh, I was really good there. I, I, I did this right. No, people will see that you've done it right. That will be the acknowledgement of God. One last thought before we close. A good thing that you decide to do might not be a God thing. And the Parsha gives us an example of that. Aren't you lucky? Numbers 14.39. So finally, Moses relates to the, all the people of Israel what God had said about how they sinned, and the people mourned bitterly. So they were honestly upset at themselves. They realized they blew it, okay? So they rose the next morning and went up to the high mountain saying, look, let's go to the place where Adonai promised, for we have sinned. So they thought they were doing a good thing. By now doing what God said. But God didn't say to do it now. God said to do it then. And so Moses said, why are you disobeying the mouth of Adonai? This will never succeed. Verse 44, but presumptuously they went up to the high mountain country, so they did not learn from their mistake. They didn't understand that they had to depend on God, that they they didn't understand that. They just thought, okay, he said that, let's do it. And, and didn't realize that wrong time, wrong place. So they lost. That's the bottom line. They got beat. They were trying to do a good thing. But they didn't check with the Lord first. Let's make sure we, this week, we focus on depending on God and seeking also not to grumble or complain because that will be against uh, a thankful spirit, which he told us to have at all times. And I'm speaking to myself as much as I am speaking to you because I, I don't want to take the challenge. But, you know, l let me just say something funny. For, well, it's not funny. It's very serious. I'm sort of being cute and saying, I don't want to take this challenge about counting the number of times I complain during a day. And that's how I feel. Because I don't want to feel like I'm letting God down. So if I don't take the challenge, I won't know how I'm letting him down. Do you understand how we play this game? So now you know I have to take one day this week, I have to take this challenge because I won't be able to come back here next week 
and say that I intentionally did not want to feel bad about myself, but I'm okay with God feeling bad about me. That would not be a good look for the rabbi. Just saying. We've got to pray that we make a commitment to depend on the Lord, not our own common sense, not our feelings. When we depend on him, he'll give us godly wisdom. Let's pray. Lord, this, is, this requires lots of prayer, but it also, Lord, requires us to have a heart open, Lord, to what you want to do in our lives. And, and you gave us this great parsha where, unfortunately, our people did not depend on you. And we, it was written to warn us so, Lord, I guess we're warned. And now we have to decide if we'll follow in their footsteps and walk around in the desert for many years or we will be revived because we're depending on you. And when we depend on you, you give us not only all we need, but even better than that, we have abundance in our life. So I ask, Lord, that you would teach us. Teach us to open our hearts, to be real with ourselves, to not try and fool ourselves and fool God. We want to acknowledge God in all times. And we want to know that, Lord, this is your way, and we are to walk in it. So, Father, help us. That's what I'm asking for in this prayer, Lord. Help us, because without you, this is like an impossibility. But in you, we can do all things. And I pray this in the name of Yeshua.